Oh, kia ora koutou. And yes, what a year. And this is the last uh, of the uh, fourth and last of a webinar series focused for um, on tertiary. So it's lovely to have you all with us. And uh, uh, thank you to uh, those of you who are both in Australia and New Zealand. Um, so yes, my name's Naomi. I'm outgoing president for the New Zealand chapter. And I'm also based at University of Canterbury in a major gifts role. So it's a pleasure to welcome you to our three panellists today. I feel very fortunate in that I, I know all three and they're wonderful professionals in their role and very experienced in advancement. So our topic today, um, which I think is very apt as we all rush to the end of the year, is taking care of yourself and your teams in uncertain times. Um, and uh, so to introduce today, I'd like to introduce, first of all, Lynn McClelland, who's Executive Director of Student Life Services and Communications at the University of Canterbury. And she has a, a large number of reports across all of the four pillars of advancement. And she's also guided her teams through recovery after a natural disaster, terrorist attack, and now through COVID-19. So I think she's got, going to have some great advice for us today on uh, taking care of your teams. Also like to invite, uh, introduce you to Sheila Murray, who is Director of Development and Alumni Relations at Otago University. Uh, Sheila went into lockdown with a relatively new team and is a strong proponent on building team culture. So Sheila, it's going to be great to hear from you today as well. And finally, Mandy McFarlane, who is Director of Advancement at St Catherine's College, a large residential college in the, with the University of Western Australia. Um, and Mandy, a lot of our residential colleges have felt the impact of international students and the closing of the borders. So we look forward to hearing from you about the impact on smaller teams and on our, our leadership. So all, of, all three uh, have faced significant challenges. I'd probably like to acknowledge just at this point, we, relative to other states and cities, we have all been fortunate in that we haven't had to go into second lockdown. So, um, But if I could start by asking all three of you um, if you'd like to just give us a snapshot of your institution in your year. And Lynn, if I start with you, please. <laughs> Okay, kia ora koutou. It's a real pleasure to be here this afternoon. Um, I'm the Executive Director of Student Life Services and Communications at the University of Canterbury. We have about 17,000 students, about um, 12 to 13% are international students and uh, a wide range of countries represented. We had a six-week lockdown, which, as Naomi said, was very, very fortunate relative to others in both New Zealand and Australia. And I think it is also fair to say that we've had more than our fair share of natural disasters and other things to deal with. And so quite a lot of our processes uh, kind of kicked into place quite quickly. Um, I'm looking forward to hearing from my fellow panellists and to uh, answer any questions. Uh, so I'll just leave it there for the moment. Thank you, Lynn. Thanks very much. Sheila, can I ask you now a snapshot of Otago in your year and uh, what was your experience? Um, so just want to echo cut some of Lynn's comments that, you know, it certainly has been, uh, you know, a, a year where a university like ours, which is a traditional university based on a very strong um, campus experience, has had to learn some very new and um, quick ways of being able to um, engage and teach our students and also provide uh, you know, an Otago experience. So 
Um, we certainly um, have learnt a lot. Um, we've learnt that we can be a lot more resilient than we thought we were. We've also learned a whole lot of new skills. Um, and I think as a university, we are doing, going to be doing okay. But, you know, as everyone will say, it's been a very tough year. Thanks. And Mandy, for you in Western Australia and Perth and at a large residential college, what's been the snapshot of your year? Thanks, everybody. Um, yeah, thank you so much for having me on the panel. Um, our experience has been a little bit different, I guess, in that we're a bit like a cruise ship on land in terms of it's not just the, the actual learning and teaching and all that side of things. It's actually physically keeping people safe and keeping them contained so that there is no outbreak and no spread. Um, so there was so much pastoral care that went into this year. And I think that was probably our lesson is how much students actually value the face-to-face -face experience. And I know a lot of universities have decided to go online now as sort of a permanent thing. And um, we saw the actual opposite of that. The less contact time there was, the more the mental health increased. And um, actually having them at college where we could control their, their engagement and all the activities that they did had a vast um, correlation with the academic results at the end of the year. So we learnt a lot as well and had to also pivot really quickly, almost instantly. And um, we have 440 students, of which about 40% are international. So as early as the 15th of January, we were already losing our Chinese students because they couldn't get to us. So we were already dealing with that really early on. So we were probably a little bit ahead of the curve um, in, uh, you know, in comparison to the universities because we were doing that, that stuff, that making those decisions very early on. Um, I'll talk more a bit later about how we did that, but it has been an incredibly stressful year um, because we had all, all of it. We had the physical side, the mental side, the academic side that we were dealing with, um, very small staff and keeping the staff safe because we were frontline. Only two of our staff went home uh, or worked from home during that period. So we, we all stayed at the college. So um, yeah, interesting year, really interesting year and a lot of good learning as always. Mm. Yes, Mandy, you've brought up a couple of things that are really, really interesting there. And I think one of them is that dynamic between the urgency to take care of the students and staff, but then the transition into the well-being and making sure that the staff who are the caregivers are not burnt out too. And so Lynn, I wondered if you could talk a little bit about that, sort of um, the dynamic, first of all, of the urgency of taking care of students and then how does that work with making sure that staff are taken care of too? So, uh, look, it is absolutely a challenge and I think one of the things that we have learnt yet again is how important it is to have that team those team connections already in place before you even start trying to deal with um, any kind of additional demands. One of the other factors, though, which came to the fore was just how fantastic people are in a crisis and how much they, they step up and reach out beyond what their normal job description is. And so, for example, and I'm sure this was the case with other universities, uh, we had members of the development team on the phones directly to our students, outbound calling to all of our international students, uh, really taking care of one another, albeit at a distance and via Zoom. So some of the things we tried to do were obviously trying to keep a slight lightness of touch. So finding the funny things in the situation, I know it sounds like a bit of black humour, but actually trying to keep a, a sense of perspective. Um, in improving our communications to staff using videos, using cartoons, using fun things to try and lighten the mood. 
Uh, we had some amazing stuff. We basically went online with all courses, all programs over a weekend. And so we had an amazing uh, rising up of staff commitment to really doing the very best they could and to delivering all of those programs. And I, I remember by midday on the Monday, we had had 30, 360 courses delivered online, just like that. So it is absolutely amazing what people can achieve together. And then of course, we have to deal with the impact of that and the recovery time and the fact that people cannot keep going at that 190% level all the time. And so some of the things we've done subsequently have been really encouraging people to take leave, uh, making sure that we have that team connection and those personal interactions with people, because as Mandy said, that face-to-face -face becomes really, really important. Um, there are a few other things that we've done, but I'll leave it at that for now and um, very happy to uh, listen to others and take any questions. Great. Well, Sheila, um, one thing that Lynn said was um, team connections and you went into lockdown with a, a brand new team. Mm. And so, so what happens there and, uh, and maybe what are some of the lessons that you're going to carry on doing? Yeah. So, um, as Naomi said, um, I built up my team predominantly over 2019 and recruited 10 new staff to the team here at Otago. So, um, and a lot of those came from overseas. So, as, as Naomi's indicated, they were new to New Zealand. Um, a lot of them had, had family still back in the US and the UK. So, for them, the COVID situation was doubly stressful. Um, and we also had you know, a whole new team dynamics to, to set up. And then... Obviously, you know, on the 23rd of March, uh, the government announced we were going into lockdown and we had 48 hours to prepare for that. Um, and we were in lockdown for, you know, seven weeks, really, um, all in all up. For me, um, the really important thing was how wonderful the team was in actually stepping up. And I think they were the words that Lynn used. You know, people just stepped up and actually um, helped out in so many ways. We're a residential university as well, um, and, and predominantly um, a, a on-campus experience is how Otago as a traditional university so for us getting the online teaching was enormous um, as well and that was all done by people working you know 150% of the time. As an advancement development team um, it was really important that we stayed connected and I think the key words for me for, with my team was the communication so very quickly we established that we would be talking to all of our team daily um, there was no compulsion for everyone to be there, but there was absolutely the opportunity to be um, talking to your team uh, every day and feeling connected. For a number of the team, um, you know, they were feeling very isolated. So we, we had team members with young kids. We had team members who were in flatting shared living arrangements. We had um, team members who lived by themselves. So we had a whole array of situations where we had members having to adjust to working remotely. So for us, the communication was absolutely key and the opportunity to do that informally as well as formally. So we had um, a, what we called a virtual cup of tea um, twice a day, morning and afternoon, which was a Zoom uh, meeting set to all of the team. And you could just come on and with a cup of tea and just talk. Um, and you know, in amongst all of that, obviously we put up some um, processes and formalities around how we would meet, but communication was absolutely key um, and making sure that we checked in with each other because some people are more um, outward than others and for some of the people who are more introverted, um, you know, doing that, doing that kind of connection doesn't come easily. So we had to be aware of the ones that were quiet and making sure that we were connecting with them as well. 
um, being absolutely kind to everybody. There was absolutely need to that kindness. And our Prime Minister went out and said, you know, being be kind to everybody. And that's what we talked about as well. It's probably the most used word in 2020, but um, it actually, um, you know, does mean a lot when you are doing that with your team members. Mm. Um, Mandy, what did that mean for you then when you're a small team and as you've said, you've been face-to-face, -face, you've actually, you weren't remote so much and the fatigue, how do you, what's your advice in that respect for just being mindful of fatigue as well? Yeah, it was a, it is a big factor. And I think actually, ironically, we're all starting to feel the fatigue now more than we were at the time, even though we were working ridiculous hours. Um, we have a very small team. So we've got an executive of four. And the advantage of that is that you see everybody every day. So you had contact with people immediately. And if you had a question or you were anxious or um, there was anything that needed clarification, it could be done face-to-face -face really quickly. So we've got a really fantastic head of college and um, our, our leadership was so strong and firm. Um, and so she's always been accessible. And I think you build your credits in advance. And I think that was the thing that was so great with us. We had built so much credit with our staff. There was no need to ask people to step up. They just automatically did it and, and did it as a collective um, to help each other out. And if people had any kind of concerns, there were so many people to talk to. So as an executive, we met every day, um, first thing in the morning, and we dealt with whatever had happened in the last 24 hours and made decisions and then communicated those decisions to all the stakeholders that needed to know immediately. We did a Friday um, communication to all our residents and to parents, giving parents the same information we'd given the students because they don't always communicate with their parents and their parents were really worried, worried for their health, wealth, for their safety um, and just concerned in general. So we had to, we had to do that kind of communication. Um, Fiona and Ashley is actually on this call, who's our deputy head of college, um, had five pit chats with the students um, every week. So that was where the students could ask whatever questions they wanted to ask. Um, they tend to use Facebook a lot so that was a really a good way of communicating but sometimes they got they got it so wrong because they just didn't understand with the changing restrictions and why we had put um, rules in place it wasn't because we were trying to be difficult as a college it was because we we're trying to comply with what we needed to do legally um, and keep them safe and um, at times we were so amazed that young people can be so unintelligent about stuff they just sort of didn't get it and kind of social distancing move apart move apart so we were constantly role modeling what needed to be done and i think that was the beauty of the staff um actually staying on site and being visible and living what we were trying to get them to do um, so that made a huge difference for us in terms of the, the students could see the staff were in it with them they weren't they weren't on their own um, and that was a we would like the, really like the parents, you know, sort of giving the examples of what we should be doing. So that was that was really fantastic. And and again, I think our head of college, her, the way she, uh, I'd, I'd encourage you to have a look at our social media and you can see she did little video clips every week of whatever was coming up that week or what was an issue. Um, and, you know, in the, in the early stages, people were just being stupid and not doing what they were supposed to be doing. You know, she called them co-idiots and stop being an idiot. And this is what you need to do. And she made this funny little video clip. And we did a lot of that kind of um, 
a communication sharing, and that was really positive. Um, so I, I concur completely. Communication was absolutely the key, and there was there's no way around that, and that, and that should be the norm. You know, we we've stepped up our communications massively this year, and I don't know that we'll go back as you know to where we were. To be honest, I think we will communicate more, more with different stakeholder groups. As a residential college, our primary stakeholders are obviously our students who are adults in their own right. So we do less with parents than we would in the school context. But actually, it was really, really positive, and the parents loved it. So we've, we've really changed our communications as a result of that. Mm. Um, Lynn, what do you think um, at the University of Canterbury, what do you think might stay as a result of COVID and, and what might might change? And I, and I guess, please, um, uh, as a panel, if you'd like to respond to uh, what each other has said, please jump in. But I'm just picking up on what Mandy said, that actually in terms of the communications at St Catharines, there's a lot of things that they're going to retain. I, I wonder, what, what do you think might happen at UC? So I would completely agree. I think our communications across all channels uh, will be retained and enhanced, and that's been a journey we've been on for some time. Um, I think another thing is that whole online experience and much more of a blended approach to learning. So since uh, during the course of 2020, we've launched um, a whole range of MOOCs, of micro-credentials, of blended learning. We've got some hundreds of students who are still doing our degrees from China. And so the world has changed forever in terms of teaching pedagogy and that student engagement process. Um, both in terms of the academic experience, but also the social integration and support services. So all of our support services have gone online. And so we now have Rec Centre online and our student advising online to a much, much greater extent than we've ever done before. So I think we're definitely heading for a hybrid future. How it's actually going to look um, and the balance between those is going to be, I think, a point of debate for some time. In relation to our staff, though, one of the things that I think we have done and will continue to do is we've established a baseline for staff well-being and we've been doing pulse checks on that, which have been able to be fed back to uh, leadership teams across the university, which gives us much more of a real-time sense of what the mood and the... Um, the issues are with st for staff, and that's been really, really helpful. I think we've now moved into a situation where we're able to be a bit more responsive um, and deal to issues in a more timely way. So getting that regular feedback and being able to uh, utilise the same dashboard and set of measures means that we have much more of a finger on the pulse as to what, what is concerning staff and therefore how can we respond in terms of support or communications or whatever. So those would be examples of the sorts of things I would be hoping we'd be carrying forward. Yeah. What about you, Sheila? What do you think you might change or retain? Um, well, you know, I think that the learning of digital skills, that virtual engagement stuff has just been enormous. And I think we've actually realised that some of that can actually be so beneficial and um, can be done quite easily. So, you know, for us, it was important to keep engaging with our alumni in the US and the UK. So, you know, we very quickly established um, some webinars and some, um, you know, Zoom opportunities where we actually had speakers and things. And, you know, before COVID, we probably thought that was a bit, you know, too hard to put it in that basket, but it's actually pretty good to do. And we've continued to look at those options. The other thing we did was we um, introduced very quickly during lockdown a new at-home online newsletter for all alumni and donors. Um, and we've had an enormous uptake and a click rate on that. So it's so much so that that's going to become a permanent part 
of the communication engagement strategy for us. So, um, you know, for us, that online newsletter where we had a whole lot of click-throughs to a whole lot of very interesting things um, was enormous. And we had a lot of great feedback from the alumni saying that was fantastic during lockdown to be able to do that and connect with all various parts of the university. Um, I think the other thing was, um, you know, we tried really hard to have some fun, you know, it all, it all was really, you know, doom and gloom. So, you know, we would weekly have on a Friday afternoon, um, you know, a, um, a, a sort of a dress up or some kind of a competition with the whole of the division. So there's some very creative people we found out in our division. So, you know, things like, the, you know, the weekly bake, baking contest or the, 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 the centrefold model, you know, there's some very, very funny um, opportunities to actually um, keep up that engagement um, internally. Um, as well as us looking at how we can do it better externally. And we've learned some great lessons from that. Yeah. <laughs> Mandy, have you got some definite, I mean, you, you mentioned that communications, you, it's upped and it's here to stay. Have you got some other things that you might shape and retain? Yeah, I think, um, look, I, yeah, the communication for us, I think, is the main thing in, the, in terms of change. But I also think we realised how much we can actually do with our students in terms of um, creative events. So, you know, we had we were locked down in the college. We had to keep them really busy and engaged. And Ashley and her team of um, student advisors, they pulled this sort of program out of the hat that was absolutely extraordinary. There was activity almost every day, every moment of every day. There were Zumba classes and all sorts of things. We did everything virtually, including Anzac Day, which is, it's, is a huge day here. And we did that sort of in-house. And um, there were just so many activities and it was so creative, you know, from you know, planting little pots of, of seedlings and also I sound so so twee but honestly it was fantastic because it kept the students really engaged they had something to look forward to every day it got them out of their rooms and kept their mental health really well you know really happy and I think mental health for us has been absolutely massive this year and um, mm. it's really highlighted again how um, vulnerable young people can be um, you know, we think they, they're adults, and they are adults in some ways, but in many ways, they are still so inexperienced in terms of life. And a minute a knock like this comes, they, they, they wobble quickly, you know. Um, right so on, I think okay. that, yeah, and I, I think that's been such a big learning for us in terms of how do we build resilience in our young people. Um, you know, they went from being like really scared and needed, needed leadership so strongly to being quite assertive about the things that they didn't want to do when they, when they thought they actually had had enough of this now and this was not fun anymore. We want to change things. Um, they actually pushed back so hard in some areas. Um, and it was students we hadn't expected to some extent that actually were either the ringleaders or the ones that we thought would step up that didn't. So there was a lot of sort of social learning, I think, for us from a residential perspective. Um, you know, that the actual rules and things like we very quickly had to do stuff in our dining room in terms of social distancing. We wrapped all our cutlery in plastic. Um, we minimised touch points. Um, food was served rather than buffets. You know, tables were moved apart. So the way that our college looks and all the things that were fantastic community builders for us suddenly were at risk and we had to really look mm. at all of that which made us then look at what we do to say we're actually what are the important touch points and what are the things that are non-negotiable in our college context that we can't change um, and and I, I think our list prior to COVID would be very different to the list we would have now um, and I think that's been our learning um, how much of this we will take forward is going to be interesting to see because I think it has actually left a scar on this generation of young people and it's going to take a while to heal I think um, as much as they've, they've risen to the occasion and many of them have been amazing um, 
there's, it's shown it's shown the cracks, I think. Um, so yeah, it's been a really fascinating year for us because, as I said, we had that that really um, physical thing that we had to deal with that I don't think any of us had ever thought about as a, as something as important as it was until your health is threatened. And you guys in Christchurch have, have experienced that in so many other ways. And you know, living in Perth in WA, which is such a isolated state and city anyway, we've not experienced that kind of hardship or any difficulty. So for many of many of us, this was the first time we've ever been exposed to something slightly scary, you know, so it's been an interesting journey. Mm. Um, I've got a question for all three of you, and that's um, about our, our leaders above us, because they've been experiencing huge pressure and stress too on the future of our institutions and organisations. And I guess my question is, um, you know, how do we sometimes experience that, but how can we support them? And how can we encourage our teams to, to support them? <laughs> Mandy, do you want to go first? Yeah, I'm, 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 <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm I must say, Ash and I, and I'm sure Ash will agree, we're so lucky, we've got an amazing head of college, and she's, very, she's a very decisive leader, naturally, normally. Um, but I think what it highlighted for, for me this year was that our leaders um, are people and they didn't have all the answers all the time. And it was a case of really having faith and trust. And if there wasn't an immediate answer, not to be critical of leadership as indecisive, but more about, I just want to wait and see and make the best decision for the people around me. And it came down to they needed their staff as much as we needed leadership. So it was kind of know your know your role and do your job and do it well, because that's what leaders needed us to do. So if we each did our role really well, it, you know, it kept the whole ship floating. And um, I, I think it, it was a very tricky year for leadership. I think some people did it really well. Some people probably did it less well. But it just showed that, that leaders are people too. And they make mistakes and they don't get it right all the time. Um, and that as staff, if you're strong as a staff and you can question leadership without it being a criticism, that's a fantastic culture to be to have and I feel that corporate culture has never been more important than it was this year because if you had a good corporate culture you could have ridden through anything um, we certainly did and it was it was wonderful as I said we had these collective meetings and everybody had an equal voice everybody could say exactly what they thought they wanted to say and what they were concerned about and it was just um, you know, Fiona was our, is, our, is our head of college. She had the final decision, but it was such collective decision-making. Um, and I, I, love, you know, I love that about our, our organisation anyway, but it was very evident this year. Um, and there were tough decisions to make. There were some really tough decisions to make during the year. So, um, yeah, I think leadership is always a lonely path to travel at times. Um, and it could have been lonely this year. Our organisation didn't work like that. We all stood together. And whatever decision we made, we all supported. So um, I think that was the key for us. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I mean, uh, senior leadership at, um, at Otago, we met at 9am every morning during lockdown. So we're all in, always in constant communication about what was happening, what we needed to do, what were the key things we were facing. In a, and our vice chancellor, I mean, she led from the front. I mean, you know, she went out there very early talking about student hardship um, and how, how, how hard the students were doing. And she, you know, said she was going to give up 20% of her salary for, the, for, for six months to, to lead the student hardship appeal, which we then went on to fundraise for. So for Tia Tautoko, you know, we raised half a million dollars and we've awarded out, you know, nearly $3 million in student hardship. So for us, supporting the students, who a lot of them were really struggling, 
And we had so many alumni come on board with that kind of message because, you know, they'd been there, but they hadn't been there nowhere as bad as the students are today. Because for a lot of them, the part-time work completely dried up. So they, you know, they were, you know, they had nothing to survive on. So for, for Otago, you know, we were certainly, um, you know, very much working at the coal face and seeing what we could do very quickly. Two weeks in, we we launched that fund, and as I said, you know, 2,700 students have had grants so far, and that demand is not diminishing. We're looking at that continuing in 2021, absolutely. Um, and Harley has just been announced as the new VC of Curtin University, so she's coming your way, Mandy. Oh, um, she starts she starts in April, and um, you know, it's going to be a loss for Otago and. For her, you know, one of the, her key strengths is about being empathetic, but also being um, very collaborative in the leadership style that she has. So she listened to how we could do things differently. Um, she was, you know, getting her supports in order as well as, you know, us looking to her to support us. So at UC, just to, to finalise the, the trifecta, as it were, um, I think some of what Mandy and Sheila have already covered is exactly where our Vice-Chancellor Cheryl DeRay uh, came from as well. A real sense of uh, commitment to principles and engagement with people. I think outstanding for Cheryl was her engagement with the student body. And in particular, when it came to making some pretty tough calls on approaches to assessment and things that were uh, causing anxiety among students. I think what she did very, very effectively was engage with students, listen to them, and to try and achieve that right balance between what the university needed to do in terms of delivering um, credible and authentic assessment and finishing our delivery of programs at the same time as being sensitive to uh, what students were facing. And I think she did that uh, amazingly well. And we've managed to get to the end of the year with, I think, an enhanced partnership with our students association, with our students as a whole, which is a real credit given the years that we've had. And it could have very easily gone the other way without a sympathetic ear and a real sense of commitment to um, delivering real benefits for students. Mm. So um, thank you all. That's the, the really great and insightful comments. I wonder what advice you would all have for people who are listening, who are leaders of their teams, um, or in fact, they may be in smaller offices, but they very much play a you know, leadership role. And um, you know, thinking about going into next year, you know, what are some of the advice you, you would have for leaders of teams? Sheila. <laughs> um, I, I think one of the things that we have done really successfully over the last past six months is we really introduced some very personalised um, contact and engagement with our donors. So I think, you know, if you can have the opportunity as a leader to actually get on the phone or actually talk to a donor or talk to an alumni, um, you know, the, the sense of um, connection and the feedback you, you get is, um, you know, so beneficial. And um, we've had 400 new donors join the university this year. So they are 400 people who never donated to Otago before. Um, and I think a lot of that was because during lockdown, we instigated a whole process of getting all the development managers out there on the phones, just calling and just checking in with alumni. So it was not an ask. We weren't asking for money. We were just calling and saying, hey, you know, it's a tough time. How are you going? Um, you know, anything we can do. And I think, you know, that has worked well. And I think as leaders, just being open to innovation and trying new things because there were some ideas that we had and we thought, mm, I don't think it sounds too flash, but we gave it a shot. And it's quite surprising 
some of the things that we actually worked really well that we might not have tried if it wasn't in that kind of COVID situation. Um, and I think just making sure that you um, understand the need for um, people to, um, you know, get on with jobs in very difficult personal circumstances. Everyone has struggled this year. Um, and I think we just need to be really empathetic about that. Mm. Lynn? <laughs> uh, perhaps I'll jump in next. I guess uh, three things from me. One would be to put your own oxygen mask on first uh, mm. because it's very easy in these circumstances to get debilitated or just to feel as though you get to the end of your tether having had 10 Zoom calls in a row type thing and, and really trying to practice those uh, self-management routines. We all know what they are, but we never necessarily do them, be it uh, getting enough sleep or exercise or uh, social integration and, and that sort of thing. So that I think is really important. Secondly, um, trying to keep the end goal in mind. So one of the things we learned this year is we've started, we've done a strategy development process during the course of 2019. And obviously uh, COVID put paid to some elements of that. But in fact, when we've gone back to it and looked at what is our long-term strategy, it is so relevant. And in fact, we are accelerating into that strategy. So trying to keep the end goal in mind and uh, perhaps modifying the tactics, but making sure that we don't get stuck in the immediate emergency response forever and trying to uh, make sure that we uh, utilize whatever we experience and put it to uh, good use for the medium to long term. Um, thirdly, I think all of the things we've talked about in terms of team engagement uh, are really, really critical because we're only as strong as our weakest link and therefore by creating that real sense of connection and solidarity together, together we do in fact achieve a lot more. And so that it's not about uh, single heroes, it's about bringing together a team that together is going to uh, withstand and thrive uh, in whatever challenging circumstances come our way. Mm. Yeah. I think, you know, there's a Maori expression, we have shown we are better together, you know, it's about people, mm. people, people. So, I think that certainly has come to the forefront this year. Mm. Mandy, your thoughts? I think I agree completely with what Sheila and Lynn have said in, in every possible way. I think something that I learned this year was the flexibility of a working environment and the, the, the being able to do what suits you best as a person in terms of your optimum efficiency. So um, in the very early stages, I, my marketing manager had fallen pregnant and she'd had some complications and she was one of the two staff members that worked from home. And I had real trepidation. I thought, how are we, how are we going to actually have the marketing manager? How's that going to work as an online only option? And it worked brilliantly. She was absolutely incredible. She felt safe in terms of her health. Um, she was probably more productive working from home than she had would have been had she been in the office because she would have had concerns around her, her own health and safety the whole time um, and probably would have disengaged with students because she would have been scared of, of you know, any kind of um, transmission or anything like that. So that was a really big eye opener actually and I think I've, I've learned with my staff you know, in terms of giving them what they need to, to do their job well and it was never a resources issue, it was, you know, it's not equipment, it's that flexibility. And that's been my big takeaway from this year. And, and I've started this year trying to work from home 
one day a week at least I get 10 times more done <laughs> it's brilliant but it's just it, it, it's like a recalibration you can actually just clear the decks and start again and get that perspective that you often don't get when you're working in the same pattern every day um, so that, those would be my leaders and I think for a small team if you can be flexible and you can be innovative as you said I think those are really key um, components of a successful team yeah um, I, I've written down some of your comments actually because uh, I think it's, it's sort of a great summary and some takeaways there. Lynn, your advice to put on your own oxygen mask first and keep the end goal in mind. And uh, Sheila, you know, you've repeated team teamwork and connections and those connections being externally with, with our alumni and students as well. And to be flexible and open to innovation. I think those are, are really um, some key, they're great lessons to take away from 2020. If I could ask you all um, a final question, um, what would be your advice to individuals as they we hurtle towards summer break and hopefully we're gonna get time on a beach or on a hiking trail or something like that. What, what would be the advice that you give to people at the end of this year and as we plan for 2021? Take a break. Um, <laughs> take time to fill your own personal box back up again. <laughs> I think mine's running on empty at the moment. Um, I think just do whatever you need to do to recharge your own batteries. Um, a bit like putting that oxygen mask on. You know, for a lot of us, we've got family overseas and not being able to see them at Christmas is actually going to make it, you know, a bit of a sad Christmas. So I think, you know, just doing whatever it takes to refill your well-being um, well and just making sure that you just relax and recharge your batteries. Because I, I do believe 2021 is going to be a difficult year. Um, mm. I don't think it's going to be easy. Mm. I mean, I think one of the other things here, and um, we're really lucky to have uh, the backyard we have, mm. and given that we don't have as many international tourists, I think there will be a lot of New Zealanders who are actually going to really appreciate and relish the natural environment we have, uh, the relative freedom we have, and the how lucky we are in relation to some of the challenges faced by the rest of the world. Not to say that 2021 won't be challenging, but I think we are just, um, there's a, a moment of gratitude uh, that we have the, um, the experience, the environment and family and friends um, close by and we need to make the most of that. Yeah, I, I agree with you, Lynn. I think, you know, being in WA, we've been very, so we've had very firm borders, closed borders from a very early stage. So our year in WA has been very normal to, 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 to some extent, you know, without the influx of obviously family and friends. But, um, and we've constantly been saying, gosh, we are so lucky. We've been saying it all year, but I think that's been our um, saving grace in many ways this year is that it has been such a semi-normal year for us. Um, I agree with you, Sheila. I don't think 2021 is going to be easy. I think the, the impact of COVID is yet to come. I think we, we're in, this, the, in the doing stage at the moment, but we haven't necessarily felt the impact 100%. Um, but, but I think we've got, we, we, we've got through the worst of it, I think. And I think we're going to move into a positive phase. So, as you say, just refilling your own tank and, and focusing on the positives for the year to come um, is, is all we can do at this stage. And um, I say just the break is going to be amazing. So <laughs> can't wait for it to come. It's going to be great. Mm. <laughs> 
Well, look, um, I'd just like to say on behalf of us all, um, thank you all very much for your time, um, particularly uh, as it is a really busy time of the year and we, we are all pressing the foot down hard on the accelerator to get to the beach at the end of it all. But um, I thank you for your collective wisdom and knowledge that you've shared with our members because I think um, you've given us all a little bit of food for thought, not only at the big picture level, but also just for our us as individuals of how um, we can take care and prepare for 2021. So um, yes, on behalf of us all, thank you again very, very much.